Blog Talk Radio. Conversation. Frank Carroll, our executive producer and director, is behind the wires. Of course, Roy Cummings is always in Tampa, Florida. A lot going on there, especially after last night's National Hockey League game with the New York Rangers. And, of course, down in Atlanta, Georgia, home of the champions. 
we we uh, we have a fine fine correspondent down there that we keep our eye on 24 hours a day. But first of all, let me get uh, before we go around the around the horn in touch with everybody. Uh, let's go back to Frank Carroll, and uh, we've got a dedication, and we've also got a commercial. Go to it. Don, tonight's uh, program is dedicated to a young lady who had her 17th birthday on Monday of this week. She is, uh, her name is, <clears throat> excuse me, Riley Sobel. Uh, Riley is a junior at uh, Bergen County um, Technical in, up in uh, New Jersey. Uh, one of the things that uh, she presented herself for her uh, her 17th birthday was a present of her 3,000th strikeout. Um, she uh, is an outstanding uh, uh, softball player, an outstanding volleyball player. She comes from a long line of, of uh, fine athletes. Her sisters and brothers are, are just as well, and they take after their, their mother and their Uncle Jim. So uh, we wish Riley a very happy birthday um, to Lori and Jimmy. We're proud of everything uh, you guys have accomplished. And, um, Lori, you certainly have a, a, a very uh, – very accomplished family and all your all the sports that your kids are in. So, um, Riley, again, happy birthday. Thank you, Doug. Okie doke. Let's go. Roger Henner, of course, is our correspondent in Atlanta, and uh, the Braves are starting to make a little bit of a move. We'll get to that a little bit deeper this first half hour. But we go to, we always do, uh, Roy Cummings in Tampa, Florida, and before we get to the controversy down there in Tampa, Florida, let's talk about the National Hockey League and the Rangers and the Lightning. 2-2. It was all Lightning last night, Roy. Yeah, the Lightning have uh, obviously uh, broken out of their little slump there, the two-game slump that they uh, suffered through in, in New York. I think they've righted themselves. Uh, they, uh, you know, you, there was always, always that question after a team's had a long layoff, you know, is Russ going to hurt them? Uh, I don't think it hurt the team in general, but I do think it hurt uh, the goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky, and I I think he's finally um, gotten back uh, in form. And, uh, you know, Nikita Kucherov is obviously playing at a level that uh, could earn him uh, the Conn Smythe Trophy as the MVP. So we'll see uh, how that goes. I mean, they've obviously got the momentum, I think, now. Um, and I think, to be honest with you guys, I think the longer this series goes, the more it favors the Lightning, just as a just a, as just because there's so much more experience uh, at this point uh, than the than the young Rangers team. It's a very young Rangers team. Everybody's out there uh, for the first time uh, in these playoffs. Uh, well, not everybody, but a lot of them are in the playoffs for the first time. A lot of them are very young. And I think one of the things you learn is just kind of how to pace yourself. It's it's not easy. I mean, you you can't let up at any point, but um, you do have to kind of pace yourself on off days, uh, take it a little bit easy. Um, and uh, there's ways to do that, ways to be smart about it. And uh, that's something I think the, um, the Lightning know very well. Uh, they know those little tricks. I think the Rangers are still trying to figure some of that stuff out. So the longer this goes, the more I think, it favors the Lightning, but um, I will say this. Uh, the Rangers have been so good at home uh, that tomorrow night uh, is going to really be an intriguing game. Again, with the Lightning, in my opinion, having the momentum at this point, um, but the Rangers being at home, that's going to be a couple of real good uh, dynamics going up against each other there. So it's a great series right now, really good. Two points before I go to Roger down in Atlanta. One, uh, 
I thought the lady came out of the first period last night and, and really put the pressure on. They were dynamic early on. The second period, I thought, as the uh, commentators talked about several times, was sort of sloppy. But then the third period, uh, they sort of closed it out. Uh, but secondly, <clears throat> you know, the, the Rangers depend so heavily on the, you know, the penalty. They've they got to get the other team in penalty, a situation where six against five. And uh, they were not able to do that. And, and that's really where their strength has been throughout most of the series, Roy. Yeah, you're right. And you know what's interesting is three of the four teams in the finals, and I think you could probably say the same about Colorado, but I don't think they're as reliant as uh, Tampa Bay, New York, and Edmonton were. But you're right. I mean, th- this is Both teams are really quite reliant on the power play. Let, let's not forget the Lightning were, str- were struggling to score five on five in New York. Uh, Rangers obviously took advantage of their opportunities there. Didn't get many last night, and that hurt them. Um, so you're right. Both teams have to pay, play a little bit better five-on-five. Five. But one of the difficulties there is just, again, the structure. We talked about this last week a little bit. Both teams are very structurally oriented. Uh, they play this very uh, suffocating structural style uh, that's designed to, you know, kill uh, odd man breaks against. Uh, in the neutral zone. Uh, so very seldom you see goals scored off the rush uh, against these teams. So when you have two teams that are playing that kind of pl- that kind of hockey, uh, you're going to have games like last night and certainly stretches like they had last night through most of the uh, good part of the first period, second period as well, uh, and before the third, uh, that where, where teams do look a little sloppy, where it's hard to get anything going, where it's hard to make a – uh, a simple pass, and but one of the things, the way to do that, is to avoid those long passes. New York was really trying very hard last night to make some of those long passes out of their end and spring some guys loose, and it just it's very difficult to do against a team like Tampa, disciplined uh, in playing its defensive uh, you know strategy. So um, this game has become a bit of a chess match uh, in this series for sure. It wasn't so much in Edmonton and Colorado, but uh, I think once Colorado gets uh, up against Tampa or New York, um, you'll see a little bit more of the same. But uh, to be honest, guys, I think Colorado is better than both Tampa and New York, so we'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, I think we're setting up either way for a really, really dynamic uh, champions, uh, you know, Stanley Cup final for sure. Uh, we'll see if Tampa can get there. We'll see if the Rangers can somehow uh, bounce back here tomorrow night. Wouldn't be surprised if they do. Roy, uh, you and I are going to sort of hold the forward here for a little bit. Roger is still driving in and uh, can't get on quite yet, so you and I will hold the fort. Uh, the point, what's the situation with him? Because uh, he again sat out the last game. Uh, is he going to be able to go this time? Yeah, the good news for Tampa uh, and Tampa fans is that Braden Point is skating every day now. That's a big step forward. Um, he's still not practicing necessarily with the team. That's That's a bit of a... Uh, of that's that's an issue still. So, I, but you know that could easily change. Um, he could suddenly be out there tomorrow morning for the morning skate, and uh, with with everybody uh, not wearing a non-contact jersey, and suddenly show up in the pregame warm-up. And if he feels good there, he could be part of the team, and uh, that would give the Lightning a big spark. Um, so it's uh, it, it's something that has to be watched uh, on both sides. Um, I, I think the Rangers will be very happy if they don't see Braden Point throughout this series, and I think it's my, – my guess is that he's probably not going to be ready tomorrow. I think a game here in Tampa might be the place where you play him, maybe game six. We'll see if it happens. But um, they've missed him. There's no doubt about it. I mean, 
right now Nikita Kucherov is really the only consistent goal scorer uh, for the Lightning at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, they've gotten some goals from other, some other people. Obviously, they had one last night uh, from Patrick Maroon, who, who has a real great tendency to, to, to chip in when necessary. Um, but right now, it's really kind of Nikita Kucherov and, uh, and everybody else is kind of watching him do all the scoring. Uh, Tampa's got to change that, I think, if they're going to uh, if, if they're going to win this series, number one, and certainly if they're going to beat Colorado in the, uh, in the final. So we'll see how it goes. But for a return from Braden Point would be big for this team. Um, but it, it, it's only going to be good if he's 100% healthy and ready to go. I think if he's limited in some way, I think that hurts him because you, you got to remember it, it's speed and, and finesse with him. Um, it, it, the more he's slowed down by an injury, if he's not 100% and can't uh, do what he normally does, uh, I think that affects him negatively in the way he plays the game, and I think it affects his line mates negatively because um, he's not going to be as quick to get to, to loose pucks, not going to be as quick to make passes, not going to be as quick to uh, get shots off, things like that. So, um, I, And I think the Lightning are aware of that. I think they know that as much as they want him back, they've got to have him back, and he's got to be right when he comes back. Really, we talked a lot uh, before the series started, uh, the fact that the Rangers had gone seven games back-to-back-to-back and winning going into the uh, the finals against the Lightning, whereas the Lightning had a few days off to sort of rest up, uh, that maybe that would be a little bit of advantage early in the series. It hasn't proved out to be that way. However, now, uh, I, I, I can't say that I've had as much interest in the West as I've had in the East, obviously, but uh, that was not much of a series, four straight. But the advantage there is that they're going to sit back until the, you know we have another two or three games here uh, before the final start. Yeah, you're right, and um, you know we'll see how it uh, how it how it shakes out. You know, one thing I think it, it benefits. It, it certainly in over time, it does. There is a benefit because you did have that rest, and it gives you a chance to just recharge the batteries a little bit. Um, I mean, I got to be honest. I, I think the Rangers are starting to show a little bit of a, some signs of fatigue. I think that was part of what happened last night with them. Is they just? I think they're starting to show some signs of fatigue. Um, we'll get a little bit better idea if that's really the case tomorrow. Uh, if they come out and they're sluggish uh, as they were, it, you can't just blame it all on Tampa. As much as Tampa would like to take credit for that, um, I think you're going to have to say the team that's that quick, and they are. Those are young legs. Um, I think that team would uh, would end up. It's probably they're starting to feel some of the effects of playing consistently here, whereas Tampa's got the break, and they're starting to, uh, you know, they're, they're a little bit fresher. And and you're going to have the same situation if this goes much further here in the East uh, for Colorado. And um, you're right, it wasn't much of a series in Colorado. I'm not surprised in a way. Uh, look, I think everybody realizes if you follow the league uh, closely enough. You know that uh, Edmonton is, A, a team that is really, really uh, dependent on its power play. Uh, even in Edmonton, I think they realize, and they don't like to admit it, but certainly the media has uh, explained it many times over, that they're a team that if they don't get three or four power play opportunities in a game, they're likely to lose. And it's one of the reasons they struggled throughout the course of the regular season and uh, you know, to, to win, and uh, we're in some trouble uh, late in the season. And um, they didn't get those opportunities as much in the in the playoffs, and uh, it hurt them, and their goaltending hurt them. So, uh, but Colorado's different. I have said all along I've thought Colorado is arguably the best 
uh, deepest, most talented team in the NHL, next to Tampa, uh, going all the way through the season. And uh, I, I just think of uh, I, I I'll be anxious, I'll be I'll be excited to see either matchup, but Colorado against Tampa, I think will be a classic, absolutely classic matchup of uh, skill and talent uh, on both sides of the puck. Roy, before we leave hockey, uh, just one side note. Of course, we uh, in the Northeast corner of the United States, uh, you know, follow the Rangers quite quite a bit all during the season. But uh, I think it's really helped the playoffs that the Rangers are in it. The way they played the seven, continuing to play seven games in each series. But the thing that uh, really brought it out is that as you looked at the game at Amelie uh, last night. Uh, the attendance, not only the sellout, but the people outside, the same thing in New York, the people outside, the interest has really, really risen in this particular series. And I think it's great for television, and I think it's great for the league. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Look, I think we realize uh, that every sport is better or seemingly better or the league is better off for it when a team from the bigger markets get in. Um, and New York, I think, is unique to all of them. Uh, and, and let's face it, it's been a while. I mean, the Islanders have clearly struggled for, for many years now. Uh, they've gotten a little bit better over the last couple of years, but quite can't quite finish things off uh, and get deep uh, into the playoffs. And the Rangers have really struggled. But right now, it's like the city is just waiting for someone uh, in the winter sports, uh, basketball and hockey, to uh, – to take over and, and, and win back everybody's attention. And uh, they're, they're just waiting for somebody to fall in love with them. And, well, here's a Rangers team filled with a bunch of young kids, really uh, energetic team to watch, a uh, coach that uh, really knows how to handle the media, who's, who's good with the media, uh, a team that you can embrace. It's that simple. And uh, the fact that uh, it's in New York is obviously good for the league. I, I, gotta, you know, I haven't seen the ratings. Um, you know, it, it's hard to really get an idea of what the ratings mean nowadays because so much is done through streaming and things like that. But it never hurts the league when a team from New York is uh, is, is deep in the playoffs and in the championship games because uh, you just get a bigger audience. Yeah, you absolutely do. And uh, the Rangers have captured the imagination of everybody in New York, and I, uh, except for Islanders fans, obviously, and maybe some Devils fans. But Overall, uh, yeah, it's it's very good, and 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 they've earned it. I mean, like I said, this is a team that is fun to watch. It is uh, it is a real fun team to watch. You know, the last time you know back in the day when when New Jersey was was really good, uh, they played a brand of hockey that was often criticized. It was it was kind of dull, boring, left wing lock. Um, Couldn't get the blue line. But the, yeah, yeah, kind of the forerunner of what teams are doing now. But the skill levels up a little bit, so. Teams have figured out how to how to combat that, but uh, right now uh, it's a team, it's a fun team to watch. Uh, look, that's why I think Colorado against the Rangers will be just as good as Colorado against Tampa uh, for a final. In fact, you know what? For the league's sake, maybe it'd be better if it was Colorado, New York. Uh, I know a lot of people in Tampa hate to hear that, but uh, from the league's perspective, they probably wouldn't mind seeing that. Roy, let's go to the controversial side because uh, having lived in Sarasota and the Florida area, Tampa area, and uh, now for almost 20 years, uh, it really surprised me with this being Gay Pride Month and the controversy between the Rays and putting the ribbon on. Well, what's the genesis of that? I, I just don't – a lot of conversations on talk radio in New York and around about what's going on. And you're right there. You're close to it. What happened? 
Yeah, you had five players who, uh, based on their religious beliefs, and uh, I don't think many of them came out and actually said what what they're, they're Christians, uh, obviously, uh, and they they they're saying that their Christian values, um, in essence, prevent them from supporting. It was kind of it's it kind of a, I mean, it didn't make a lot of sense because the spokes the guy who spoke up for the for the group basically said their Christian beliefs don't allow them to support the idea of of homosexuality, gay, lesbian, uh, you know, values. And, and, but at the same time, you know, they were trying to say, but we also believe that everybody should be included and that everybody should have a chance and that everybody should be given a fair opportunity to, you know. So it was kind of a mixed message, and it didn't make much sense to me. So they didn't want to wear the emblem or the, the hat with the, with the rainbow emblem and, and, and the rainbow emblem on the jersey. Um, you know, so there, again, the mixed message kind of got lost on me. I, it, it's a protest of some kind, um, but at the same time, they're trying to say, "But hey, we, you know, we believe people should be included, but we're not going to go. We're not going to wear a hat that says, you know, I'm I'm behind these people." And to me, it's it, it's it, it's disappointing. Um, but hey, I mean, everybody has their right to speak their um, speak their values and, and and this is part of free speech and uh, they certainly have that right um, a little disappointed I, but you know I, I I do see where they're coming from but then again I don't see where they're coming from I mean okay. I, I see both sides of it I understand what their uh, what the basis of their argument is but then to, to say that you know we support inclusion but we're not going to wear a patch I'm not sure that you know to, again it's to me it's a mixed message what uh, 26 players on the roster? What's the percentage of the players that will not wear the patch? Uh, well, you got to say it's about a, uh, it's about a, a fifth or a, a quarter because uh, five of the players didn't wear it. Uh, they're not all with the team right now. I think one of them has been sent down or is on the DL now, so or the injured list, the IL. So, um, uh, but uh, so you know, I'm not. It's, but it's about you know, it's about a fifth of the guys that are on that were on the roster at that time. So, um, you know, it's, to me, that's a significant number of guys. You've got four or five guys. And it was funny. It's like I'm not sure we saw it happen anywhere else in baseball. It was just here no. where, uh, where this happened. I might be wrong about that, but correct me if, I, if you guys know better. But I'm not that's sure why I, I heard I'm so else. surprised that it happened in Tampa. I mean, that, that to me seemed to be one of, the, one of the few cities and towns in America that would not be uh, – <clears throat> adverse to wearing the patch. Roger has joined us too, though maybe he has a comment or two. Roger? Uh, oh, I certainly do, and I may uh, disagree with you, okay? I don't think that anybody ought to be forced to put something on their uniform that religiously they do not agree with. That's my opinion. Uh, I think that uh, we've gone too far, not only with the the current subject, but I think with a lot of things, Roy, that's my opinion. We've gone too far when pushing uh, messages on to people that don't necessarily disagree. And how are they going to uh, take a stand about their their religious uh, convictions? Oh, I agree with you, Roger. I I, I totally agree with the, their right to uh, not wear it. I, I I I'm not a fan necessarily of asking everybody to to be involved in these things. I think it should be a kind of a you know, a volunteer thing. And I, and I believe others could have backed away from it too. But um, again, my concern was there's just seemed to be a very mixed message. Uh, it's one thing not to wear the, the patch or the hat that has the, uh, uh, 
the, the logo on it, that's one thing. And I, and I, again, I, I'm with you. I agree that they have that right to, to, to not do that. But then to, to say that, you know, but at the same time, you know, we believe, you know, in inclusion and stuff like that. It's like, well, okay, well, what's the message here? I'm not going to wear the hat, but I, but we believe, I mean, are you just saying that to avoid further controversy or, or what, what's, what's happening here? And, uh, it's just the the message got lost for me. Whatever. Well, I just thought we'd touch on it. Uh, I don't want to harp on it, but I wanted to touch on it because there is a lot of baseball news. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the great managers in Tampa that took him to the World Series when he went to Chicago. Now in L.A., <clears throat> got dumped. Of course, Shoji already got dumped in Philadelphia. Some of your uh, thoughts, both of you, on the two managers being let go, and what's on the future. Roger, I'll let you go first. I've spoken plenty well, here. Uh, I, I, yeah, the, 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 this morning I was listening to uh, uh, Angelo's off on Wednesday, uh, but uh, there was talk about uh, Joe Madden uh, maybe being the next manager of the Phillies, and yet then other people uh, felt that, that uh, he would not because they think that his managerial days are over. And uh, so I'd like Roy to, uh, you know, comment on that, whether you think Joe will manage again uh, or are his managerial de- uh, days over. Well, I think, to be honest with you guys, I, first of all, I hope his managerial days are not over. I mean, I want him to do what he wants to do at his age. He's, he's accomplished plenty. I'm not sure there's much more he could accomplish or, would, you know, would want, even want to accomplish as, uh, as a manager in baseball. Uh, but I think the game needs him. I still think he's one of the three best managers in the game. I think the game needs people like him. I think they need managers like him. Uh, he's got a different viewpoint on how the game is uh, is played, and I appreciate it immensely. Um, maybe his best place is somewhere in the league office. Uh, you know, as we get ready for a lot of changes here and rules and things like that, maybe his best place for baseball, the best he can do for the game, is to be in the front office uh, at the league uh, offices in New York and kind of engineering some of these rules. Saw the play the Angels play the on. Phillies three games this weekend. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we talked about the Phillies, how they had dropped so many games in a row, and how Joe had really uh, internally become pretty frustrated. And I think Joe had to be pretty frustrated as Madden had to be just as frustrated as they lost 10 in a row. And, of course, they saw the, the number one player in baseball go 23 games without getting a base hit. Now, I don't know if he's gotten the base hit. Uh, you know, Monday or Tuesday of this week. But uh, for Trout, they yeah, go 23 yeah. times at the plate and not get any hits. I mean, uh, it was really frustrating because coming into New York, coming into Philadelphia, he wanted to really prove that he was one of the best players in all of baseball. It just didn't happen for the Angels. They played very poorly. Trout played, oh, just terribly in New York. M- messed up plays in center field, fell down, let a runner go go from first, uh, uh, got a base hit to center field, <clears throat> let him go to second base because he just lobbed the ball into the cutoff, man. Uh, he just played miserable baseball in New York, not a lot better in Philadelphia. And uh, I'll tell you, it had to be very disappointing. The Angels were expected to be in the playoffs. And what we saw with the Phillies and also with the Angels uh, over the first quarter of the season, not very good. Now, I, I think Crowd hit a last night, Don, in his first at bat. I may be wrong, but I think he did. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't, get, hurt, the, I didn't he, get the box scores for groin uh, late last night, so I don't know, Roger. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah then he had, if you're right, <laughs> yeah. there, Roy, he pulled a groin muscle 
and uh, he had to go out of the game. I think it was the what is it at the fourth inning? I think third, fourth inning, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you're right. And 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 look, one thing I would remember, and I'm I'm sure this has a lot to do with why. Certainly, this has a lot to do with why both managers are gone. It's it's only June, it's the first week in June. There's plenty of time for both the Phillies and the Angels to uh, to correct things and get back on the right track here and uh, get headed towards the playoffs. Um, they're both talented enough to do it. Uh, the issue in Philadelphia was um, the team just you know the team just kind of seemed to go a little bit dead, uninspired, and um, I think the feeling was the same and. In, in uh, Los Angeles, about the Angels, I know Artie Moreno is a difficult manager to, to to work for, or owner rather to work for. He expects a lot, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, he's paid a lot of money for a lot of these top end players, and uh, it's uh, you know it hasn't, it, as you said, uh, Don, it, it just hasn't been working out in either place. Uh, both teams, I think, have you know clearly underachieved. But you know, I've, I've always been quite hesitant, um, or I'm, I'm not an owner, but you know. I would be quite hesitant to let good managers go uh, in the middle of a slump for a team uh, unless you know that you've got something much better to turn to. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But I would definitely put Joe Girardi and uh, uh, Joe Madden in the, in, the, in the group of good managers, if not among the best in baseball. I mean, the track records speak for themselves. So we'll see how it all shakes out for these teams. But it's on the players now. You know, you, you made the change at manager. Absolutely. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Uh, now it's up to the players. I mean, Joe Madden isn't the reason that Mike Trout uh, struggled to, uh, to to get a hit for 26 games. Uh, Joe Girardi's not the reason that uh, Bryce Harper can't play right field. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues there. Uh, but, by the way, Joe Girardi didn't, uh, you know, he, he didn't put together this team either. He, he inherited it. Uh, someone else put it together and um, – you know, a lot of questions. You know, a lot of a lot of questionable decisions on how they've uh, handled some of their prospects, and, uh, some of the other players that they've uh, you know stuck with and uh, worked you know and, and brought in. So you know, we'll see how it all goes. Well, we're going to well, jump we're in gonna with, uh, Dave, with Dan Baker and also with Billy Wernell to talk about the Phillies and talk about baseball. So let's jump to one other topic, and that is that uh, Greg Dorman uh, seems to have won out a little bit. Dusty Baker's uh, uh, what? We got to go Dan Baker. He's with us, okay? Oh, That's Dan, what I was trying to say. Yeah, we're ready okay. to go. With Dan, we'll talk more about the Phillies. Roy, thank you. As always, you're the best. Have a great week. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Take care, Roy. Thank Take you. care. Dan's with us, Don. Nobody has sees more Phillies games than Dan. So, Dan, welcome as always. We love you. Uh, oh, thanks, Roger and Don and Frank. Great to be with you. Well, we got you at the right time. The Phillies went into a five-game winning streak, a big two home runs at the top of the ninth inning last night to win it 3-2. to two. And they put together a little bit of a streak now, and all we can do is hope it continues, Dan. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Don, it was really exciting at Citizens Bank Park over the weekend. Uh, big crowds, uh, a lot of South Jersey people coming up from Cumberland County, uh, where uh, the cities of uh, Millville, uh, Vineland, and Bridgeton are. Uh, but uh, 28,000 on Friday night, 36,000 Saturday, and uh, 34,800 on Sunday. And uh, great weather, uh, great crowds, um, and the Phillies played very well, and of course, uh, swept the Angels. 
Roger? Say it, Dan. I got to watch um, almost uh, all three games, or at least part of them, and uh, because it was they were on MLB Network. And I'll tell you, I I saw a difference in the spirit of the team uh, with uh, the, the managerial change. I know Roy was just saying, you know, about uh, Joe Girardi, and he's right uh, to an extent. But I think there was the new spirit whether it's just happens every time there's a managerial change where, you know, players take stock of themselves and, and feel, hey, listen, I just cost the fellow a job. But I really sense that. And then to come back last night against probably the best reliever in baseball and, and hit those two home runs uh, at the top of the ninth inning to win and almost lose it uh, with Canabel, but I think that said a lot about the uh, team coming back last night. Well, there was definitely a, a, a change in the Phillies' play, and whether it was because Rob Thompson replaced Joe Girardi or not, who can say? Uh, but um, they definitely were playing better. There seemed to be uh, uh, they seemed to be having a lot of fun, and. Um, you know, we'll just have to see whether this was an aberration of of just a couple of games, or or whether uh, this is a uh, going to be a, a tendency going forward. Hopefully, it, it's going to be uh, uh, a sign that we're, the Phillies are heading in the right direction. Well, certainly Harper's grand slam home run was a big uh, was a big push to keep this streak going at five, and uh, really keep the momentum going into last night's game. It, it was Don, and then his uh, fellow Las Vegas uh, native, uh, Bryson Stott, followed up with a three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth to win that game on Sunday right. versus the Angels. It, it, that was really something. You know, a grand slam home run in the eighth, the tie, three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth to win it. Roger? Yeah, yeah. On, the, on uh, the morning show on WIP, Dan, I don't know if you heard, I think it was Monday, uh, they had Rob Thompson on. And, uh, uh, you know, he said he takes every situation individually. So he's yes. not going to go with the analytics. He's going to look at it and look at the uh, reliever in the eye. The other point that was made up, and I don't know whether you saw this, Don, since you're back in New Jersey, but really Harper never came out uh, other than, as I understand it, saying, I hate to see a guy lose his job. He never came out in support of Joe. And I thought that was very interesting. And the other thing is Thompson seems to be more uh, leaning towards playing the younger players in a longer period of time than if they have a bad game, Joe would pull them. So I don't know what you think about that, Dan, whether that's you know, the consensus or not? Uh, well, uh, Roger, uh, that assessment uh, of yours uh, uh, coincides with uh, the opinion of others who uh, cover the Phillies that uh, Joe uh, didn't give um, as much latitude to the younger players, you know, that he would have, uh, you know, more veteran players. Like last year, you know, he used uh, Ronald Tereus a lot because he was more comfortable and Tereus was very uh, a very dependable player for him off the bench uh, 
uh, in New York with the Yankees and uh, here in uh, Philadelphia with the Phillies. But uh, uh, the young players seem to be playing a, a lot better uh, over the weekend. And uh, I just hope that they can continue to play well going forward. Well, Dan, I think it's very I interesting. Uh, the, the home run last night to to, uh, to win the game, uh, you know, he started off in center field. He was Joe's selection as a starting center fielder uh, when the season began, but just didn't materialize. And even when he went back to AAA, it took him a period of time. He talked about it on the post-game show, uh, trying to re, uh, reorganize himself as to how he was going to attack, uh, you know, attack at the plate and become a better hitter. And, of course, he came up and hit the home run uh, last night to win the ball game and also was playing center field. So uh, you're right there, but we're looking at a one-day sample, which uh, doesn't really prove too much. We'll have to wait a little bit longer than this to see what happens. Yes, uh, yes. But uh, the Phillies have uh, been very inconsistent, you know, in the first quarter of the season. And uh, you you think they're – uh, I can't say for sure whether they're a playoff team or not. I think they could be, uh, but they certainly haven't played like it in the first part of 2022. You know, I, I, yeah, getting back to uh, the, your point, uh, Don, and last night, or uh, at the same time, they brought Scott Pingry up. And, you right. know, they had cut him and signed him to a minor league contract and anybody that listens to this show knows I can't stand Gabe Kapler in any way. And I think he destroyed Tingry. And I'm hoping that now, if he get he gets another chance, that he may be able to uh, produce something and uh, improve uh, his record. I really like him. I thought it was a, a sad situation. And uh, what do you think, Dan? Do you think that uh, Tingry – has a chance to maybe redeem himself in some ways? Oh, sure, Roger. He has a chance. Uh, But my goodness, uh, you know, uh, just uh, three or four years ago, uh, he was like the top prospect in the Phillies' farm system. And, and, you know, he he, uh, got off to a pretty good start. And then, uh, you know, they started – you know, talking about launch angles and swinging with an uppercut as opposed to that level swing and trying to hit all fields and, you know, try to hit line drives. And, uh, you know, uh, Scott is not a big man. And, uh, and yet, you know, they were, uh, you know, the the, uh, strategy with him seemed to be as it was with others, try to get him to swing for the fences. And uh, I don't know if that's his game. And uh, no, if he could get if he if if he could get back to uh, where he was, uh, you know, coming out of Arizona State and uh, you know, great college player. I think he was the Pac-12 Player of the Year as a senior. Um, you know, he really looked like a a baseball player with a bright future. Uh, right now, I don't know. You know, he's he's coming off of even though he was brought up. Uh, from Lehigh Valley, you know, promoted, he was hitting under 200 there. Uh, And supposedly he was playing very well on the field. And that's uh, one of the reasons the Phillies brought him up, because we've had some injuries there. 
Um, well, Dan, I think one of the things that you have to look at is, uh, you know, your prime second baseman breaking his uh, knuckle trying to bunt the ball <clears throat> yes. five or six games back. Uh, yeah. Leaves an open position at second base, although Baum has also been going back and forth between second and third. He also was in a bit of a slump. He hit the home run last night to tie the game, but uh, he was hitting up around 295 three weeks ago, and he's down to about 262 uh, right now. But maybe uh, Kingry will get a position, not have to jump around and play two or three different positions. Maybe they'll iron him in at second base and let him play. It'll be interesting, Don. I just don't know. Uh, uh, I think Bryson Stott, they're probably going to have him, you know, at second base a lot. And right. Didi Gregorius now is back at shortstop. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I think uh, nobody knows for sure, you know, which which way things are going to go with Scott, but he's a – a terrific young guy. We've had him on our radio show and, uh, you know, great personality, really a nice young man. Uh, the kind of guy that you, you, you want to see succeed. And, uh, you know, the other thing I'm thinking is, uh, as I'm watching Kyle Schwarber step to the plate to lead off tonight's game in Milwaukee versus the Brewers, you know, you have to believe that Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos, uh, are going to hit. I mean, these guys can uh, hit for an average. They can hit home runs and drive in runs. And, you know, with with, uh, Bryce Harper and, you know, Reese Hoskins can hit home runs in bunches and drive in runs. So, I mean, you know, the Phillies got some guys that can hit. And if they start hitting consistently, you know, they could put some wins together. Roger? Absolutely. You know, Dan, I wanted uh, last night on my way home from work, I was listening to the Phillies game uh, and on uh, Sirius XM, and of course you get the uh, Brewers coverage, and I'm listening to Bob Buecher. And, yeah. I mean, oh. he's unbelievable. Dan, Don, he's your age, and he's still doing the game, 87 years old. My question is, how come Larry Anderson's backing off when he's only in his 70s? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the Phillies are using multiple guys in that the uh, radio analyst position. And, uh, and Larry remains very entertaining, and he's beloved by the Philadelphia fans. I mean, yeah. he is he is a fan himself, and uh, but he does a great job, a great sense of humor. And uh, he he knows baseball, too. Well, well John Sterling was... stepped aside yesterday. He had a press conference saying that he would uh, limit, very much limit any travel. He uh, he is in Milwaukee uh, for uh, tonight's game uh, for this series. But he is uh, he's going to limit his travel now. He's 84. And uh, I, would, I don't know this to be a fact, but they're trying a number of different uh, voices uh, on the Yankee broadcast, uh, but I, I'm assuming that this might be John Sterling's final year. Yeah, um, I, I heard a rumor that uh, Ricky Ricardo, my, uh, who is the Spanish language uh, play-by-play voice of the Yankees, uh, might yes, be. Yes, he's, he's one of the ones that substituted. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, he's one of the ones being considered. You're exactly right, Dan. 
And he's great. Uh, Ricky's great. Yes, he. I mean, he's terrific in both languages, you know, Spanish and English. <laughs> and uh, uh, he was in uh, he was in Philadelphia uh, before New York, you know, doing Phillies baseball, and he did a great job here, and a very entertaining guy. And uh, yeah, he's done book shows on WIP, and he does what the Eagles the Spanish uh, broadcast, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, Reese Hoskins just hit into a double play after Kyle Schwarber let off with a hit to start the game. There in the yeah, top well, of the one of the things I was going to bring up about last night's game. They won it, as we said, in dramatic fashion. But they went from the, I think, one out in the fourth inning. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Dan. Almost up to the eighth inning without getting a base hit. So they sort of fell back into the mode they had before this streak began, but they overcame it by, you know, winning the game in the ninth inning. But they had a lot of trouble between the fourth and the ninth. Uh, yes, you're right, you're right Don. Yeah, and they left a lot of runners on base in those first oh, four innings. Oh, terrific. And, you know, that can come back and haunt you. Uh, but uh, thank goodness Ranger Suarez uh, pitched a terrific game, uh, you know, uh, Eight, seven or eight innings of uh, one run uh, of a two run ball. It was two to one. He was losing when uh, he went out of there, and uh, then they got the two home runs, uh, one by Bohm and one by Beerling in the top of the ninth to win it. And uh, but you'd like you'd like to see them when you get that many men on base. You'd like to see them uh, score a few more. And uh, but that Dan, was thank you very very much. Billy Warndell standing in the wings, ready to go. Always okay. a pleasure. Glad that. Uh, what is this? Forty-nine years for you now behind the mic. Fifty. 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 This yeah. is number fifty. Yeah. The, lo- the longest tenured uh, PA announcer in Major League Baseball history. Uh, let Thank me you. let me say no, something no. about Dan Baker right now, gentlemen. <laughs> he is Billy. not only the best PA announcer in baseball. He's the best PA announcer in all sports. All sports. Hey, Amen, Bill, I don't, I, don't, I don't have that much money on me, Bill. <laughs> you are the best, I'm telling you. Well, listen, thank, thank you for the kind words. I love doing it, and I feel very privileged uh, to, to be there. As far as I know... There's only two PA announcers in Major League history who have more seniority. Pat Piper of the Cubs, 59 years, and Bob Shepard of the Yankees, 57 years. I think I'm third at 50, and so I'd, I'd, need, an, I'd need another 10 years to Yeah, to but you're only Pat 52 Piper. years old. Holy smokes. <laughs> uh, I, listen, I, I don't have enough money to pay bills. Uh, Don, I have nothing left over to give you. That's all right. I don't get it. I never get any anyway. I'm always behind the barrel when it comes to money. Dan, thank you so very, very much. William, thank you very much for joining us once again. And uh, we sort of touched on some of the things that happened in last night's game with the Phillies. Uh, You and I have gone around and around about the Phillies since the beginning of the season and actually last year as well. Is this five-game winning streak an indication of something new and good or what? I, I think I'm enjoying the ride, Dan, uh, uh, Don, to be honest with you, because, you know, look, uh, expectations were very high for this Phillies team. 
People are projecting 90 wins if their bullpen could hold up. Now, here's the question. Their starting pitcher is is very solid uh, from top to bottom. All right, It's one of the better staffs in baseball at this juncture. They need a lockdown closer. You've got to watch the Pirates very closely. If they start fading out of the wild card hunt, you know they're always willing to sell. And they have a, a closer there, uh, Bednars, who they're very high on, but they want some young prospects in return. Uh, I want to see if Dombrowski can pull the, the trigger to get a guy like that in the bullpen. Because if they have a lockdown closer in August and September, this club could make a lot of noise down the stretch and possibly in the playoffs. Well, Billy, my only comment to that is that uh, the one thing that we've talked about year in and year out over the last three or four years is the lack of talent down below for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so if they're uh, going to trade for a lockdown closer, which how many teams need a lockdown closer? Probably seven of the eight that are going to be in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. how are the Phillies going to muster a lockdown closer with talent from the minor leagues that they don't have? Well, Don, remember, the, the, the Phillies probably at the lower end of the spectrum as far as the uh, minor league system. That's pretty productive. It's the top end. The double-A and triple-A players are not real good. But if you talk to Larry Boa and people like that, the lower minors have some good young players. And a play, team like Pittsburgh might be willing to take one or two of these young players in some type of deal. And maybe you're going to have to throw a veteran player in there. I'll tell you one guy, I hope he starts hitting the ball, and that's Reese Hoskins. I believe you have to move Reese Hoskins. He's a designated hitter. He's a very streaky hitter. He's one guy that I would have on the trading block, and I would go from there, try to fill that hole, they got a kid named Derek Hall in the minor leagues. He does strike out a lot, but he could fill the void for Hoskins because I, I've seen enough of Hoskins. He's a nice player. He's an average to below average first baseman, and he is too streaky for me. And I, I really believe if, if the Phillies are to make a run for the postseason, they have to get that lockdown closer, and they might have to trade away the lower minors as far as prospects are concerned. Roger? Well, yeah, Bill, I agree with you uh, totally. I think the one prospect that I've read a lot about is the pitcher Logan Olpe. Isn't that the name? And that's Logan what Hoppy? people are Yeah. Yeah. And, and Logan Hoppy, yeah. afraid of of trading him because he's really going to be a great catcher of offense and defense. But I think about the move when they got Roy Halladay and they gave up Travis Darnay and, or Darno, and look at – he went with the Blue Jays and look at him as a catcher offensively and defensively with the world champion Atlanta Braves. Wouldn't you love to have that guy on your team? Yeah, absolutely. But, Roger, here's the deal. When you make a trade – you can't send slot ball mode uh, for a oh, no. good player. You have to put some 
Now, Hallidane was a, a very solid pitcher for a number oh, of years for the Phillies. Yeah. All right? So oh, I would still make that trade over and over again. And, you know, it's unfortunate his career came to a screeching halt, uh, you know, at, at age 33 or 34. I, I certainly think when you're talking trade and you want to be in the postseason, you might have to give up some young prospects. And I think that that's what the Phillies have got to think about. They've got to give up a young prospect or two in order to get, as I said, the lockdown closer. Because I'm nervous when Ken Abel comes in the game. Last night he loaded the bases. I'm saying, oh, yeah. they get a hey, base Billy, in here in the game. Three bases on balls. They did just load yeah, the bases. I mean, loaded the bases with bases on balls. You can't have that. I, I mean, no. they, 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 they escaped that game last night. But, again, you can't – the worst thing you can do as a closer is to give up a walk. That's right. the worst thing you can do because, this, this, you know, you're expecting that a guy to, you know, okay, he might have an off night and he gives up a walk. But three in a row, that's not acceptable to me. I don't think it's acceptable to anybody. I, I just can't – I mean – uh, Amaro was doing the games last night, and and you know he talked about that very same thing. I mean, to walk three three batters in a row and uh, put your team in jeopardy and not only coming losing a game they just came back to take a three two lead is not acceptable. Is right. No, you, you you can't tolerate that really. I mean, you're catching the Brewers at the right time like you caught the Angels. The but where can they like go, Billy? Where, where, who's, who in that bullpen are you going to look down there and say, this is my guy? I would go with Sir Anthony Dominguez. I would, I would go too. with him now. All right? I would it's too. time to not baby him any longer and say, okay, right. you're a guy that has closed the path. That's your ball. If we don't get that lockdown closer, it's your ball for the rest of the season. All right? Except for that, Don. Well, uh, to me, they've got to find somebody. I, I don't know who it's going to be. And, and uh, you can't dial nine one one, Don, or one eight hundred closer. It's ridiculous. Well, they did that before. They they got three of them during the winter. One eight hundred closer, none of them worked. Right. Well, that, Bill, I agree with you a hundred percent. And what I when Darno, they didn't expect Darno to develop like he has. And, and my f- feeling is, and I don't know about the, the catcher I mentioned, Ohopke, Ohopke, right? Uh, because who knows? But I'm not a Rio Muto fan anymore. And I think they overpaid, and that was, uh, I think it was a mistake. Because I don't think that he has done a great job since he uh, came on the scene with the Phillies. Uh, what do you think? Well, I, I think he's he's okay. I mean, the last year and a half, he hasn't been up to all-star caliber. I'll agree with you, all right? I think there was some yeah. friction between him and Joe Girardi. This is just me talking to different people. I think there was a little uncertainty with the two of them. Uh, they, they, didn't, mm-hmm. they, they clashed a little bit. You're right. They gave him a lot of money. But they also gave Schwarber a lot of money. They gave Castellanos a lot of money. I mean, yeah. they, 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 you know, John Middleton's got to learn one thing. 
The one thing is you can't listen to players on your team trying to recruit other players. All right. right. Amen. You have to say, okay, we, we, we want to go out and, and get a player to, to, to help Harper in the middle of that lineup. But don't get two guys. They, they fail in the offseason to get a legitimate leadoff hitter and a legitimate center fielder. Why do you bring Roman Quinn back? Why do you bring Adobo Herrera back? We know what they can do. There's right. guys on a waiver wire from 29 other clubs. Well, Billy, Billy, we talked years, three, two, three years, first base, and that's one of the players you want to trade right now. First base you don't like. Center field you don't like. Baum has done, as I said, he started off hitting a lot better playing third base. He was a little deficient defensively, but he's come on a little bit. Now he's playing second and third. So you, you, you don't have a center fielder. You don't have the first baseman you're looking for. You don't have the super closer. My feeling is if you if you make a trade with a team that's in the hunt to win the pennant, Schwarber's the guy that's going to go. I think you, trade, you put him with a couple of other players and you trade him to possibly get that closer because they're going to need a hitter coming down in, in August and September. One of the teams that's going for a possible playoff position is going to want a left-handed pull hitter to hit home runs. And he's not the man to lead off for the Philadelphia Phillies or bat second. No. That's not his position. And he can't feel No, it's not. I, 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 he's a designated hitter. You've got right. Castellanos is a designated hitter. Unfortunately, Harper's a designated hitter. Schwarber's a designated hitter. And Hoskins is a designated hitter. All right. <laughs> That's not that's not a good makeup of your roster, and this falls at the doorstep not only of Middleton but Dombrowski as well. I mean, this guy was the the the, the guy that's going to change the fortunes of the team around. You just can't slug people to death. You got to no. get good starting pitching. You got to have a good bullpen. Well, Billy, you're and you talking about a general defense. manager that gave these guys a lot of money. I mean. And uh, and not just a one year contract. Schwarber's a one year contract, but you know no, you're no, talking about a lot of money for deal. the next couple of years. No, he, he Don Don he's got a four year contract, and so does Castellanos. They right? Yeah, that's what I mean. Castellanos, I'm saying he's got a long term deal. Schwarber so does doesn't. Schwarber, Don. So does Schwarber. Schwarber's got, got a four year deal too. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they both do. They would have done better. I think staying with Andrew McCutcheon in left field. Look at him with the uh, uh, Brewers. I want to. I want to move on from McCutcheon. All right. Well, let, let's not have the hearts and flowers. I like Andrew. He's a great. He was. He was a great player. All right. But you got to move on. This hearts and flowers. Staying with a guy. Staying with a guy. Give me a break. You got to. Well, you got to be proactive, and and your thinking's got to be progressive. Well, oh, Billy, we're right back to what we talked about. Right, we talked about the five right players. Hitter. You talked about the five-player deficiency, and then you put Didi in there, who just came back what last Saturday night before. You know he's yeah. on his last legs. This is going to be the, this is going to be the final for him. That's another player, a shortstop that you're talking about. That's at the end of the line. I, I agree with you, Don. I mean, again, uh, they've got guys. He's fourteen billion dollars worth. I mean, come on, you know, you've got to make decisions and not poor decisions that they've had, as they have made. I mean, they've had opportunities after opportunities to rebuild this bullpen, 
And every year it's the same. The, the names have changed, but the, the results are the same. Right. Roger. Well, you know, one of the things, Bill, that uh, I thought was Joe uh, Gennardi's uh, demise was he was always talking about saving the, the pitchers, saving the pitchers, okay, for August, okay, in September. And then you hear Buck Showalter saying, I don't worry about tomorrow. I worry about today. I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And I, I go well, with, along with that philosophy. Well, let me, that, that, that's a very good point. But, again, did you see Girardi in the dugout? He's looking at all these facts and figures. Yeah, all right? all the binder. Facts and, all this analytical garbage, all right? You have, if you're a manager and a pitching coach, you got to feel if a pitcher can go a fourth day in the bullpen. you got to talk to the catcher. you got to talk to the pitcher. Yeah, how much do you have left? I hate when I hear this. Well, he went three days in a row. He can't pitch the fourth day. Right. Well, how do right. you know? Mike they don't want him to pitch the third day, Billy. Games. Huh? They don't want him to pitch the third day. Uh, ridiculous. Well, that's right. That's absurd. Yeah. You know, you know, there. I forget who they interviewed on the uh, morning show, but the the deal was, or the or the, the scenario was that uh, it's when Joe was in New York and Mariana Rivera was uh, young, okay, and uh, and Joe uh, they went along with him because he said he was okay uh, for like the third day or the fourth day, whatever it was, and they, and the question was, well, how did Rivera do? And he said he got blown out, you know, blown away with hits. So, he didn't. He, he didn't. He didn't use. He didn't use Rivera three days in a row very often, you know. It, well, might, no, it, we, it would have to be a very, very, very. He might have pitched the first day, been only thrown two or three or five pitches. But he didn't use him three days in a row because uh, he couldn't afford to have him go down with a sore shoulder or something. So, well, that's right. But you know what? You know what the, the premise about this was. You know that Joe did do the third day, okay, and 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 Rivera got hit hard, okay. So that's that's why I guess he keeps us in his crawl. That's why he never wants to go three days in a row, three games in a row. Who knows? Well, Billy, before Rivera we go to Mike, uh, final picture. final question, Billy. Uh, as we look ahead, uh, one one court note because we will get you down before the Eagles get to training camp. Uh, you, you and I chatted. You think they're going to win 11 games this year. Is that correct? Uh, uh, that, that, Don, expectations are off the charts. You look yeah, at the roster, are. you look at the division they're, they're in, and you look at their schedule. <laughs> Unless they have catastrophic, catastrophic injuries, this, this Eagles team should win 11 games. And even the quarterback, if he has a good year, this club, can go deep in the playoffs. They got a good, solid defensive front. They got eight defensive, nine defensive linemen. They can rotate them through. They got a pass rusher in Hassan Reddick. They got two veteran corners. There's a question of safety. I still think they could do something there. They got a south. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't want to see this team become a pass happy team because they got AJ Brown. I want to see this right. team run the ball because that keeps the pressure and keeps your defense fresh. Not that hard to figure it out. The, I don't care what the analytics say. Run the football. <laughs> keep your defense fresh. 
and then in the fourth quarter, you can turn it up a notch. Well, Billy, the National League East got a big hit last night because the New York Mets lost two key players, not one, two key players. But, Don, uh, I'll give you an update. I was just watching MLB Network. It's day-to-day with Peter Alonzo, all right? Uh, it's swelling. It's, it's still swollen up, but he thinks he might be back on the lineup by the weekend. I was going to say, pretty tough with a hand, with a hand injury, Billy. Right, you know right, that. Right now, it's, it's, uh, he's not going to play tonight. And Marte says he feels a lot better today, and he could be in the lineup this weekend. So right. those catastrophic injuries may turn out to be <laughs> not as catastrophic. All right, Donald? We'll, we'll yeah, wait and see. Billy, thank you. Mets out. <laughs> thank you very, very I'm much, doctor, my boy. It's Donald. always a pleasure. You, we you, get you down to the next month of the season. You'll be right back with us. I, I'm a doctor. Go ahead, Bill. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Take, Take care, care Bill. partner. As always, you're the best. Bye-bye. Take care. Billy Warndell, our guest, always, and uh, always has a great, uh, not only a great sense of humor, but also has a great insight into what's happening not only in baseball but football as well. And uh, I'll tell you, a fun guy to work with and have on the show. Right now, Mike Zimzak is ready to go down there in Baltimore. And, uh, Mike, uh, I don't know where to start. I, I don't know what's going on down there. I guess the problem is right now in the D.C. area, what's going on is rain and not much else. Yeah, we're supposed to get that later tonight. Sometime around 2 o'clock, they're saying two and a half, three inches of rain, which may uh, – slow things down baseball-wise over the weekends, but it's supposed to last for a couple of days. But uh, have uh, let's start with the Orioles. We never talk about the Orioles, and they seem to be trying to improve that. Uh, they're at least in, their, in, a, in most games. Let me put it that way. They're, they're, they're starting to make, the, make it look like they're a major league team and not a triple-A team. They're competing well. Um, they're getting some better pitch, starting pitching. Um, they're getting some hitting. You know, they have a couple of players who, who, who are performing. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're improving. I guess the thing with the Orioles is, you know, what is the long-term prognosis for this team? You know, you certainly could see, okay, well, we're showing signs of improvement. We're not, they're not going to finish um, dead last in Major League Baseball. You know, they're looking like they're sticking. It doesn't help for this team that they're in one of the tougher divisions in baseball. You've got, you know, the best team in major league baseball right now in the Yankees. And let's be honest, the Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays aren't awful. So they they have that, that they're competing with, but they're hanging around they're, They've been competitive. They've beaten teams that you expect them to beat. They've won a few games that you didn't think that they were going to. Um, will they be able to keep this uh, core of players together? Will they resign players when they need to? Will they invest in the team? And that's been the big issue with them pretty much out the better part of the last 20 some odd years is how willing are, are uh, is Peter Angelos, and, you know, I think he's getting to the point where he's looking to sell the team. He's much old, he, he's getting up there. Um, how willing are uh, is ownership to invest in the team and make it competitive? I do know that uh, there's a bill in, for the Maryland General Assembly to put some money into renovating the stadium. It's still a very nice stadium, but, you know, 
built in the mid-90s, so it's going on 30 years old. It probably needs some updating. That could be a revenue boom. Uh, there are the issues as far as uh, massing that they're going to have to do and whether or not they're going to end up having to owe the Nationals and how much money they're going to owe the Nationals when that court case works through. So those are all things that are would um, kind of put them on, on um, shaky ground as far as investing. But, you know, how willing is ownership and how able is ownership to keep that team competitive will always be a question until they prove otherwise. Roger? You know, Don, I was just thinking, and Mike, Don, is it hard to believe that you and I were inside uh, the, uh, the Orioles ballpark Camden when it was Yards. under construction? Camden Yards with hard hats on during the construction on our way down to do the, uh, the Eagles-Redskins uh, game. And that's hard to believe. And, and that is still a beautiful ballpark. And then you look at Dodger Stadium, how gorgeous that is. And that when did that open up? In 62, I think. Wasn't it 62? Yeah. And it looks and, brand uh, new. It looks brand new. It looks brand new. It's pristine. It absolutely is. But, the uh, you know, a couple of things uh, about uh, – I, I am very impressed with the Orioles, Mike. And, uh, and, I, and I think you're right about Angelo's. And uh, I'll tell you, ju- just to see, uh, see what the uh, uh, major league franchises are going for, not to get off that subject, except did you see how much the, uh, the Denver Broncos have been sold for? Yeah, it was like, what, $4.3 billion? $4.3 billion. Is that, uh, and it's to uh, one of the heirs of uh, Walmart. That's okay, correct. It's Robert uh, Walton. But I mean, if, if the Denver Broncos can are going for 4.3, uh, who's to say that the Orioles don't go for a couple of billion, especially having a TV network? Okay, but you well, know, who I, knows? I, I, I think they're. Go ahead, Mike. I think one of the there are a couple of things that will um, will 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 go. Yes, they have a TV network. No, their TV network is not like. Comcast. It's not like what the Phillies have. It's not like even what the Red Sox or the Yankees have. You know, it is not a widely available, not really even particularly commercially viable. They're, let's be honest, they have it, but it's not doing great, right? It is not a re- major league revenue generator. Mike, is it a sports market. channel like Yes or SNY, yes, or is it, it is. part of the network? It is it is a sports channel. Um, it was originally a compromise over the rights deals, but um, Madison has had to cut so much in terms of uh, revenue that they're no longer sending announcers to game away games right now. They're still announcing from the studio. Oh really? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. I I don't think any other teams doing that that I know of. No, but no, I haven't heard of any other. Yeah, no. they were they they have at this point, at least to this point in the season, they haven't really that I've heard of been sending uh their announcing crews for either um team to away games. So, you know, just because they have a network doesn't mean that it is uh commercially successful and generating a ton of revenue for either uh franchise, number one. Number two um, 
Baltimore has a much smaller geographic footprint than Denver does, right? Right. Uh, when we look at the geographic footprint for the Denver Broncos, it extends throughout most of the Midwest. Yeah, the Rockies. Um, Colorado, yeah, the right. upper Midwest, down to, um, you know, almost down to Texas, right? And so but also, Mike, the radio network, I mean, for years they were on WBAL in Baltimore, a very, mm-hmm. very good AM station. You could hear it all around. Uh, and two years ago, I think, uh, either two or three years ago, they came back to BAL, but they only stayed for like one year. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what FM station they're on now. I, I'm not 100% sure either. Um, so, you know, I, I – I'm not saying that they won't get a couple of billion dollars or maybe a billion dollars for the team, but we know that um, values of Major League Baseball franchises are much less than NFL franchises. Oh, I I agree with you, Mike. Let me ask you this about Masson. Um, Mm. They've got the Nationals, and they also have the Orioles. Do they have the Capitals and the Bullets? Uh, No. uh, NBC – Sports Washington does the Caps. And oh, Bulls. okay, yeah, which is the old Comcast Sportsnet Washington DC. Yeah. Okay. Do they they have really both the Capitals and Masson the Bullets? Has, oh, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Really, all Massa has is the Orioles and the uh, and the uh, Washington Nationals. Oh, they only have, so they only have baseball. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be, yeah, because what some, I was. They have some Olympic sports. They have, like, some Maryland games on, but not, like, basketball or anything like that. It's really just their their major uh, broadcast is going to be O's and Naps. Yeah, well, I remember when uh, Fox – well, it was Metro Media 5, WTTG in D.C., okay, uh, years ago. And they had all the Georgetown – of course, everything's changed with the Big East and everything – but they had all, when John Thompson was there, they had all the Georgetown games. Because I'll tell you what, Don, this is even before Mike's time, uh, Howard David was doing the play-by-play on the, on Channel 5 of the Georgetown games in D.C. And, Did I know uh, that? Yeah. And the, and the re- well, you know, we're obviously good friends with Howard. And I went over there one night. He wanted me to stay and do the stats. <laughs> for the telecast, and and I kept on. No, I want to go to the hockey game at the at the Capitol Center and see the Caps. And I wound up going to see. Oh, Howard was mad at me, you know. <laughs> so, but that yeah. But I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to pick up other uh, sports, but maybe it's not managed right correctly, like you were saying. Well, uh, I think thing is, is, you know, the conversation I've only seen Camden Yards on TV, but uh, a lot of the players refer back. Is that wall that much different? That I mean, they're talking about balls that have not been hit out of Camden Yards. Uh, now I agree. Anytime you change the wall dimensions, it's going to change home runs. But is it that big a difference? I, I mean, you can't really tell on television. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I have not been there yet this season to see how much of a difference it makes, but they are talking about the fact that, you know, balls that used to be home runs aren't, um, that it's playing a little bit different. 
uh, and it's much tougher on uh, right-handed hitters to get right. out there than it than it used to be. Um, and you know what? You know, ballparks change dimensions all the time, and it's you know it's part of the game. We've seen uh, a lot of ballparks. Uh, what was Houston used to have that hill out center field until they moved it, put the bullpens out there. So mm-hmm. I guess what's happening is that you know they're trying to make it less uh, friendly for right-handers, a little bit harder to get home runs, uh, play more to their strengths because they haven't been the biggest hitting team uh, for for a while. So. You know, why have a, a, a ballpark that favors right-handed power hitters in the alleys when that's not what your strength is? So, but it's only good uh, for the I, visitors. It's only good yeah. for the visitors. You know, so I, I think we'll see. But like any other stadium, I think they'll they'll uh, players will get used to it. Roger. Well, you know, I was just thinking um, watching. Uh, Major League Baseball, and of course down here with the Braves, uh, you've got Valley Sports, and and they're very limited, but they do have the Hawks, and uh, but they do uh, some college, and and they they do a lot of Olympic sports like you were talking about. Uh, they do uh, boxing. I don't know whether Masson does uh, boxing or not, Mike, but uh, I I you know Don and I have talked about this even off the air about Bally Sports, I mean, you, you see uh, some of these, uh, uh, you, you know, gambling uh, companies are uh, buying these uh, sports networks because they can do a lot with that to in- increase uh, gambling, you know, from that side of their business. And uh, what do you, I don't, I'd like to hear your, your thoughts, both of you, about that. Well, we all know that um, with the increase in legalized sports betting that more and more of these companies are going to get into it, and that's going to be a major source of revenue. As of right now, Maryland has not legalized sports gambling to that extent. So we don't have that sort of thing going on, not only with the Nats, but with the commanders, we've talked about how they have the uh, deal with FanDuel, and FanDuel doesn't have the ability to operate in Maryland right now, which is putting a crimp in their plans and may be one of the driving factors that sees them go to, um, to uh, Virginia. Um, the Orioles, the Ravens are suffering from that. But, for instance, they have a sports gambling – they have a book at the at – the, uh, Capital One Center now. Uh, it used to mm. be where the old Green Turtle was. They kicked them out, and they opened up a, a, a betting parlor in there. So you can go right there and um, and put your book, bets down. So I think what you're seeing with Bally and, and things like that, that's not going to be that uncommon. And, you know, I know for to a certain extent, like um, some of the uh, online betting uh, sites in different countries will be able to broadcast games. So they'll, they'll be in partnership with whoever's broadcasting the games. So, Mike, you know, I was just going to ask you that. Is uh, is all the soccer that's on, is that sponsored, a lot of that sponsored by gambling as well? You know, well, not necessarily the games themselves, but you will see a lot, a lot, a lot, a number um, of 
teams, whose shirt sponsor, whose um, jersey sponsor, whose stadium sponsor, whose anything is uh, a sports bet. It's so common to see them play uh, see teams that come out with some sort of uh, on Bet365, Mansion, any one of the big uh, European-based betting sites. Uh, I think it, uh, one of it is is it the Lakers or something who's sponsored by FanDuel? So we even see it a little bit over here, but not to the extent that we see it in soccer where it's fairly common. Roger? Well, uh, yeah, the United, uh, Mike, uh, are on broadcast television in, uh, in Atlanta. And, uh, and, and they, get, uh, they get, obviously, they get good uh, numbers. Okay, and and but they're not on uh, Valley Sports. Uh, they, I mean, they may be sometimes, but I know I've watched them. I think they're on Peachtree TV, which is the old uh, the old Channel 17, you know, that Ted Turner had and made into TBS, and of course TBS is its own network now. It's just funny that you bring that up because that will likely change next year. Uh, Major League Soccer told all of the teams that their local television uh, deals had to all expire after the 2022 season, this season, because they were going to try and do what NFL did and go to a national broadcast model. The issue that oh, they're really? having is uh, the TV viewership for Major League Soccer is off like 40% this year. It's massively off. And they're just not getting the interest from any of the major broadcasting networks that they thought they were going to get. So like um, Atlanta. Why, why do you think that's the case? What, why, what happened? Um, I think that, that the dynamics of major league soccer have changed insofar as we don't have the big name European stars coming over in droves. There are no more. We don't have the David Beckhams. We don't have the uh, Stephen Gerrards, the, the, those names that are coming over that used to get people to just, oh, I may not know soccer, but I know this, so I'll turn it, tune in. Now, overall, for a competitive thing, I think it's been great for MLS. We're seeing more young rising stars. You know, the, the pace of play has been better. You know, it's not exactly fun to watch some of these older guys who are way past their expiration date limping up and down the field trying to collect one more paycheck just can't. The issue is that MLS broadcasting has struggled to figure out a way to get the attentions of fans to say, you know, hey, tune into this game. And I think that they have chosen as their national broadcasts some of the uh, – I don't think they've necessarily made some of the right choices – uh, a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, uh, for example, Roger, they had uh, as one of their premier nationally televised Saturday afternoon games the a game between Atlanta United and Charlotte FC because Charlotte, mm-hmm. you know, it was the first time that they were playing, Atlanta was playing in Charlotte. All right, that's mm-hmm. all well and good. But the bigger game was later on in the afternoon, and that was the rivalry in between LAFC and LA Galaxy. If I was MLS, mm-hmm. I'd have bumped that game a little bit forward and made that my nationally televised game because that would get viewers. Mm-hmm. You're right. I agree with that. But I think what they're trying to do 
there they already have a a, a good uh, a rivalry, you know, with those two. And what I think they're trying to do is to build up Charlotte and Atlanta. Because, I mean, I, I could leave here and I can be in Charlotte in less than three hours. I have, okay? And uh, maybe three living on this side and coming versus Flowery Branch. But I made it up to Charlotte many times, uh, you know, up and, and spent the whole day up there all over and, and came back at night. And uh, so, I, you know, I think that's what they're trying to do with the new team. I, and I, I agree with you. I just don't think it's right there yet. I think those are the sorts no, of oh, things. No, it isn't. No, I agree. I agree. I think they're just trying, trying to do it. But I agree with you. I would have had that game. The L.A. Uh, match, I would have had that as the national game, absolutely. Uh, and I have really, I, I can only, I can think of maybe one, maybe two times where I've seen Philadelphia Union, who are, you know, one of the best teams in the league on the national broadcast. So mm-hmm. it, it's also hard for MLS to identify what to market, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if I, if I hype up this player, this young player, how do I know that he's going to be here in, let alone in a year or two? He may not right. be here at the end of the summer. And so that arm of it is really struggling to keep up with what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I think they'll sort it out. I still think that MLS has a very viable television product. I think the league is strong. It's in a better position now than I think it's ever been and its history in terms of support and everything like that, um, I think that they had, I think that they overestimated what people were willing to pay for it. Broadcast networks mm-hmm. aren't willing to give them the money that they think that they're, working, they're worth. And so it was a strategic mistake on their part that right now they're paying for. Mm-hmm. Is there any more expansion on the horizon for MLS? Uh, Yeah, we should be adding – I think they're going in with two more teams coming in. Uh, I believe – I know for a fact St. Louis. St. Louis, that's what I read, Mike. Definitely St. Louis. Yeah, definitely St. Louis, and that should be next year. Well, you're talking about being down 40%. This isn't the time to be going in, I wouldn't think, for a new franchise. Well, when I talk about the TV audience, the national TV audience being off, the national TV audience, ESPN, and the Fox broadcasting, local broadcasting, fan support is uh, where it's been, if not higher. So yeah, I agree with that. Uh, in terms of all of that sort of stuff, yeah, they're doing fine. It's just the national number that's, kind of, that's been off. And as right. I said before, I think that's just strategic mistakes on the part of MLS. Mike, I would say this about St. Louis. I think that is a soccer mecca uh, once they get that team. I think it'll be like Atlanta in many ways, but a different demographic as far as um, language, et cetera. You know, I mean, they had a lot Latino with the United. Okay, I mean, I see that every day. But and and also uh, Eastern European, European. But I think you know definitely in St. Louis, uh, it, it was a good football town. But I think they will really do well. Now, will they be playing in the old TWA dome? 
where the uh, no, Cardinals... No, they're already building a um, purpose-built stadium. Uh, oh, I don't they? know whether it will be ready to go. Um, that, Let me interrupt for a second just to say that the uh, Phillies are now up 4 nothing. Hoskins and Scott both hit home runs with a runner on board. Uh, they're playing right now. It's 4-4-0 for the Phils, and uh, they're playing at the uh, top of the third inning. So the Phils are off to a good start, looking for win number six in a row, boys. Don, all I can say is, would Bryson Stott be playing if Joe Girardi was still managing? Girardi. I doubt it. So, Roger, <laughs> now that you got to Wait a minute. Who, who wouldn't be I playing? I want to know who the next manager you're getting I, ready to play. Well, Don, well, wait a minute. Wait, Mike, let me tell Don. Uh, my question, Don, is like we were talking about earlier with Joe Girardi, would would Bryson Stott be playing tonight if Joe was still managing? I doubt it. Oh, okay. He, he I had don't, the I don't winning understand. home run. He had the winning home run on Sunday, okay? And then, uh, you know, he's he's played well. My opinion is let D.D. Gregorius get traded in that package we were talking to Bill about. Get him out of here, okay? He's a Girardi <laughs> guy. Get rid of him. Okay, Mike, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut. Go ahead. You had a question. I had a question for you. So now that Joe, Joe Girardi's gone, um, who's yeah. the next man, Philly's okay. manager that you're getting ready to fire? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, you know I hate Kabler, okay, definitely. And I, with Joe, I like Joe. I just think he was an awful manager. I might mean, just remember, that, you know, Roger was getting rid of me, getting rid of me with manager of the year last year. So, you know, take everything with a grain of salt because we got Kapler's being fired because he didn't know how to manage his manager of the year. We got the Phillies who were going to win 90 games <laughs> a few weeks ago. Hey, they're so, back on track, Don. <laughs> not for 90, they're not. <laughs> In all the years Mike, I've been doing this Mike, show, we're, we're out of time. Doug's all ready to go, and we're on a golf front at the same time, so – Mike, thank you very much. Great uh, piece of business tonight. Go ahead. Um, Mike, oh. take care. Thanks so I'll much. I'll talk to you next week, Ken. Talk to you have next week, one. okay? I'll have more information. i got to get a, a hold of Chris Winkler and talk to him, so I'll let you know. All right. Talk to you all later. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Doug's all ready to go, and we got so many things happening with Doug right now, Mickelson and uh, – has already decided. Dustin Johnson has already decided they're going to the new league for $400 million and $150 million. And uh, it looks like the PGA is not going to ban them from playing in other tournaments at the moment. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. But, uh, Doug, first of all, and also the fact that Tiger announced uh, yesterday, I guess, that he would not be playing in the Open, but he would be playing in the British Open. So uh, mm-hmm. let's, start with, let's start with Tiger because I think it was obvious that uh, in the last tournament at the PGA that he really was struggling physically and he said mm-hmm. he's just not ready. Yeah, that's certainly the case. I think that, uh, you know, as, as we have talked and chronicled over the course of time that he's going to have to pick and choose which events he can play in and which ones he's not. And, you know, lo and behold, after experiencing some setbacks, I think in his, his physical nature, I think he's got to pass on the U S open and, uh, you know, make a run for the British Open. So, you know, time will tell. I mean, I know that, you know, he obviously sustained quite an injury and, and 
you know, to, to make the cut at the Masters and do some of the things that he's done in his return, I think it's pretty special. But, um, you know, age has certainly caught up with a lot of his rehab, and, and I think he just needs some more time. That's all. I mean, he, he knows when he's ready and when he's not. So No question. He decided at the end of the third round in the PGA that he just couldn't go any further, that uh, the yeah. latest foot were just giving him too much trouble. And uh, so, but the thing he did say was that uh, uh, he wouldn't play in the in – the, uh, uh, open, but he would play in the British Open because uh, the the, uh, the uh, texture of the golf course is flat, and not like mm-hmm. the uh, PGA was where he had to go up and down hills and hit balls off side hills and things like that. Right. The British Open is pretty much flat, and he thought that would be uh, uh, much easier yeah. on, his, on his system. For sure. I mean, link, link style golf, I think, is probably in his, you know, in his best interest at this point with. Um, I mean, the, we don't know come July what what the weather conditions may may or not be like, but um, you know we've all experienced the fact that it's hot and humid over here, and they're wearing in stocking caps and you know wherever they are across the pond. So um, the elements may be his biggest concern there, but I think you know the level playing field I think is is certainly in his best interest. Next thing before Roger jumps in, uh, your thoughts on the two hundred million. Uh... Going to Mickelson, he's going to uh, he's going to get back in, and he's going to have to obviously he's going to have to face uh, even though it's in London, he's going to have to face the media, which he did not want to do in the United States. He will do it in, right. and also Dustin Johnson, who said, "I'm taking my 150 million because it's a much better schedule for my family." Well, you know we, we we've had this. Um, you know, as recently as probably two weeks ago, and we were talking about the differences between Tiger and how he felt about the PGA and how Phil Mickelson has always been disenchanted, you know, with the USGA and PGA as a, as a governing body. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me. I mean, you also have to look at Phil being maybe a, a smidgen older um, and, and what's in Dustin Johnson's case being 37. I mean, I think they're doing what they feel is best for their family with um, – you know, tradition, if you will, of the PGA um, out the window. So, it, to me, it's a it's a dual-edged sword. I mean, I think that anybody given that position would likely do what's best for them and their family, and, and that's an awful lot of money. And I don't necessarily know how you could pass that up if you're potentially in the twilights of your career. And and I'm actually shocked that that more people, Ricky Fowler and and some of those guys, you know, didn't jump ship and and, and go as well. Um, you know, we've talked about this with Greg Norman being a, a thorn in the side of the PGA and, and the golf, you know, world as we know it for several years. And um, that's a heck of a lot of money, you know. And that's at the end of the day, the people that would say, "Ah, well, Phil Mickelson, Dustin, they're traitors, they're this, they're that." I mean, look at all the, the free agents in baseball and football and every other sport that you know went out and got a whole lot more money somewhere else and and left you know, their hometown or, or, or whatever. Um, I, I don't see how that's really any different. I mean, I think that dollar bills are dollar bills and I think you have to make them when you can. So, you know, 150, 200, 300, whatever million dollars. I mean, that's, that's sizable. That's, that's worth consideration for sure. Roger. Yeah. You know, Doug, I agree. And my question is, and, and I, and I, I also wanted to bring up, I, I got on late cause I was at work but is is this new league do you think the PGA will be just 
an association eventually, and this new league will be really what controls uh, tournaments? And, and I don't know. I, that's why I'm asking that question. Um, well, it, I think I don't know what the, like, the, the longevity of, of such a league would be because if they're throwing this kind of money around, I mean, what's the sustainability of paying people this kind of money where there, there aren't any cuts and you're guaranteed, you know, I think last place guarantee was a couple hundred thousand dollars. Their, their field sizes are small. I mean, there's, there's probably some really good things about, I mean, but over the course of time, I mean, we look at the USFL I mean, the USFL was, you know, this next best thing that was going to rival the NFL and it went belly up and, and those guys, Steve Young and, and all those guys that, you know, that got drafted, eventually went back to the to the NFL. I mean, um, I think it remains to be seen because I'm not – I just don't know where they're getting all this money and how long this is going to last. So, uh, I mean, I think it throws a, a tremendous wrench in the PGA and, and how they do certain things with regard to the Ryder Cup and President's Cup and all these things that you guys would no longer be able to, to play in those events for their country um, because they wouldn't have the opportunity to accumulate points. I'm not sure how, how that would work with – a captain's pick scenario or, or those sorts of things, or, you know, the PGA, they were talking about, um, you know, different concepts that would say that like guys like Kevin Na and, and some of these guys were resigning from the PGA because they didn't, they didn't want to have, you know, sanctions and legal ramifications to their, to their move. So I don't, I don't know what is going to happen between the PGA and this said league, because, you know, as, as we stand now, they're rivals, but, I think that this this is a wedge, I think, in, in our game uh, of golf because of the different things that go on internationally that would require them to, to accumulate points and do different things. I, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know if they're going to form some version of partnership or if this is going to be a, a, some version of crossover or if, you know, guys now like Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau have decided that they wanted to play, I think, in this first one, but yet they weren't going to resign for the PGA. Will they incur some version of penalty or – or not? I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it remains to be seen. But um, it's certainly. I don't worth think anybody really sure. knows because they're. But they're already saying that they're going to play in the majors. Uh, if they're going to play in the majors, they must have gotten some kind of uh, agreement somewhere. I'll tell you, the New York Post had a tremendous three pages on this today. Uh, uh, Mark Canizaro, who does all the golf for the for the New York Post. And he made the comparison that Tiger made $141 million uh, mm-hmm. during his time on the tour. Now, that's just the tour money. And he said, right. uh, you know, you look at the, the guard for the New York Mets, uh, for the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets, and he's making, uh, you know, $120 million in three years. <laughs> you know, right. so, so, you know, how well, can you penalize, how can you penalize somebody who's doing exactly what you're saying because mm-hmm. even though Tiger, with all the success, only made 151 million, and he's just you know you take a pro basketball player or, or football player, and he's turned around, he's making 120 million, 130 million dollars in three years. Well, listen, I mean, let's let's not forget that some people widely regard Jack Nicklaus as the best golfer that's ever hit a golf ball. And what did he make during his career? No. Look yeah. at look at the Sean Watson who just signed with with the Browns who, you know he he, oh. who knows he he has all this stuff we'll call it you know that another three hundred thirty million dollars. I mean what what is really the value of a dollar? It's 
depending on your, I mean, look at, um, why don't you compare a hockey player? Do you think Alex Ovechkin is, you know, what, one-tenth the player that Deshaun Watson is quarterback for the Browns because that's what he gets paid? I mean, it's it's relative to supply and demand. And if if guys in, in Saudi are, are controlling all these dollar bills from Petro, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how endless their checkbook is, and if they're willing to pay somebody that kind of money, that doesn't make them, you know, better than Tiger Woods because they didn't actually earn it, so to speak. But yet, why wouldn't you take it? I don't know. I mean, well, Roger? you know, I, if I had been on, or you know, uh, earlier, I, I was going to bring this up even with Roy, but I want to bring it up to to two of you and and Frank. Uh, if, you know, uh, there was a an article in uh, Philadelphia Business Journal by John George, and it's the Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. Uh, they're, they're the parent company of the Sixers and the New Jersey Devils. They also uh, own this, the Sixers uh, G, uh, G League team, the Delaware Bluecoats, mm-hmm. the Utica mm-hmm. Commons of the American Hockey League. They also are co-owner of the Crystal Para, uh, Palace, pa- the Premier League Soccer Club, and elevate a sports and entertainment consulting, but they also own have uh, the um, an inter- a, a partner well a, a small interest which I had no idea uh, Don and I don't know and 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 Doug in the Pittsburgh Steelers hmm. that that's what shocked me and they also had out the, they tried to buy Chelsea. Uh, football club we could have talked to mike about that and and also the mets but i'm just wondering when you get a conglomerate like this and i always look at these hedge funds and the way they come in and uh, take over corporations i'm just wondering what kind of impact eventually maybe not in my lifetime but in the future that's the way sports are going to be these these big conglomerate that handle marketing they have the agents. They control everything. Yeah, I wonder if mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Well, I would, Roger. I would say. I mean, l- looking at the direction of where we currently reside, we currently reside. I mean, at some point in time, Amazon's going to control the world. And, <laughs> you know, look. You're, yeah, but you're, Bezos said they're going to go bankrupt. You see that? Yeah, but you know what? Listen, listen. I, what? My, my mom, my family, everybody's listening. My President mom used to work at Disney. said we're all going to go bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my said, mom used to work at Disney. This is not a thunderstorm. This, this is a hurricane. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Go ahead, Doug. I, your mother's a big I mean, buyer of Amazon, right? No. She, she. When we were growing up, my sister and I, she worked at a five and cent five and ten cent you know candy deli you know meat store and those were the best places on earth where you could take 50 cents and just get your best sugar high you've ever had and yeah, that's right you know You're right uh, right i mean you know <laughs> that was when that was when baseball cards you know you opened a pack of cards and you actually chewed the bubble gum because it was good yep you're right and you couldn't you couldn't wait to see who you got and you know how this has morphed into they those places went away and you had bigger places and those places went away and you had Walmart and those places you know what I mean so you know the way of the world is one stop shopping you know and you have all these conglomerates and it's it's reared its ugly head in in every I mean there are there are vendors that I deal with that that have a parent holding and then they have a bunch of different you want to get golf bags you want to get this you want to get that you know it's it's all about the one stop shopping and and convenience um right you know so I 
I would see that trend continuing to move forward, you know, with people owning multi, you know, so. Well, I agree, and I miss those candy stores because when I was uh, dating my late wife back in the 60s, uh, mid-60s, there was a candy store right around uh, the corner from uh, her house in Mayfair, and uh, mm-hmm. it was Connie's, a conven- you know, Connie's candy stores, you know, et cetera. I used to go in there every night on my way home and get a snow cone. <laughs> in the car yeah. on the way home to my house at Drexel Hill. You know, they that brings back great memories. Mm-hmm. Don, you remember those in in Trenton. There were a load of them in Trenton, even in the Oh, 70s. let me tell you. Let me tell you. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. You could go you could go two blocks without being able to get <laughs> an Italian ice or whatever you whatever you wanted, it was there. Right. Right, uh, I'll tell you. You brought up great memories, Doug. Yeah, uh, well, but you're I mean, right. Those, those, those were the days, you know. And, uh, and you know, they're long gone, my boy. They're long well, gone. Long gone. My, yep. All the good old days. We, we used to eat um, steak and French fries every Sunday, and we used to sit around the table. And my mom would say, "I, I wonder what the poor people are doing." And I would say, "I'm pretty sure they're eating steak, Mom." <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's one of the things that uh, I tell people that are not familiar uh, with Blue Bloods. And I don't know whether you watch it. I am a huge fan. And uh, and I've, I've, I've several friends from church never uh, knew about it. And they're hooked. And they tell me this. But, you know, it's on, on I on on Wednesday. But on mm-hmm. Friday nights at 10 o'clock on CBS. But the big thing about that is the old family dinner where everybody yep. was around and you had a discussion. And it's a yep. shame we don't have more shows like that. Yeah, that's true. That was a big part of growing up was. Oh, it was, a family, family dinner. Yeah. My kids, yeah, my well, kids still talk about being a grandmom and grandpops on Sunday for dinner. Well, Roger, I'll tell you this. You know, you see these kids nowadays, and, you know, they'll only eat certain things. Right, so I mean, whatever whatever mom put on the table is is what you ate or you didn't eat, you know, and that's the way yeah. it was. So that's the way um, it was, right? You know. Hey, well, what, 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 what let, let me guys... just let me just give you a little of your process of breakdown. Just happened to you just happened to mention, and uh, eleven million viewers for the FBI. Uh, Chicago Fire is number two on NBC at nine point nine. And after all these years, Blue Blood on CBS still averages better than 8 million viewers a week. There you go. And you know how many years that thing's been on? Yeah, I think 13, something like that. 10 to 13. Yeah. Hey, well, I got you guys on before it's too late. Hey, what did you think about the, uh, uh, what's his name, the uh, uh, crashing his coach's wedding. Oh, Did you see uh, Odell that? Beckham Jr. Yeah. Odell Beckham. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he wasn't invited. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Well, they, they. I don't know. I don't know where the uh, the Rams are printing this money, but I mean, they're they paid a lot of money for Stafford. They they just signed uh, Aaron Donald to a huge extension, and, and now they just the signed. They just gave him unbelievable. Cooper Cup. They just signed. And it's a three-year. I think it's extension. a three-year deal. The first two are guaranteed. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't. I don't know where they're getting all this money from, but 
Um, not only where they get the money, where's the cap? That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, they're they're, they're going to have to get a couple of cheapies in there to offset that. I'm not sure how that's that's going to work. Well, I forget we were talking you know, about. It. I don't know if it, when you were on last week or not, Doug, but I know Roger was. We were talking. About, I forget it was. I, the odds who it was it was it was the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They signed a mm-hmm. defensive lineman from the Chicago Bears for ten million dollars. Yeah. They were supposed to be over the cap before the, you know, well, weeks ago. I don't know what I don't sure. know what the cap means now. I, well, the, it, the the cap only means what it means when you have to get under it, and apparently that's not now. So they'll figure out a way to wiggle and they'll convert someone's something into a signing bonus that they can prorate for the next several years and figure out a way to slide in under the cap or they'll cut somebody or whatever. I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, they, they have people that get paid to do that kind of stuff and crunch the numbers. So, oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. When you start giving people 40 or 50 million, you got to have a lot of people to cut. <laughs> right. Right. Well, do you sure. don't have any idea what the cap is for this coming season. I don't, I don't either. It was um, north of $200 million, but I don't know. There's a interesting website that I follow called uh, the Russell Street Report, which is a guy that pretty much breaks down uh, all of the Ravens' transactions and salary cap and does a wonderful job of explaining the, the rule of 51 and how that pertains to uh, different things and the rookie pool and if you convert this into this, so you can prorate it. And, and it's a – it's a really, it's a really good site that that has a, a lot of uh, content with with explanations uh, for, well, for people a lot that of are curious because, because you, you let somebody well, go and you get <clears throat> so much off, but if you do if you do something else, you, you get more than double what they were going to get before. Well, there's a lot of technicality to setting up that that uh, cap. Sure, to your point, Don. If you you hear a number and someone says, "Oh, by the way, we just signed so and so to a four-year, forty million dollar contract." In many cases, they they know where they currently stand, and they'll front end right. or back end or, or or do different things so that 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 fits. But you, it doesn't necessarily mean they're getting ten million dollars a year for four years. Roger. Yeah, well, that's right, and and it's uh, spread out. Uh, but I I still think that contract that Deshaun Watson got that's going to ruin the the, uh, the salary structure. He may never uh, get there. Yeah, he got more uh, lawsuits against him now. More came right, in today. Yeah. It's going to be a long. He may be ten years in court trying to get this thing straight down. <laughs> well, he may spend well, all and, the money he just earned in civil. That's true. That, that's true. And I'm just wondering whether it may be guaranteed. But if he never plays a game, is it guaranteed? You know, like Ben Simmons was mm-hmm. all guaranteed whether he played a game or uh, what or didn't. And, and I think everybody's well, I, learned the lesson from that. I hate to say it, Roger, but I think guaranteed is guaranteed whether you play or you don't. I think you get that. They're pot committed. Yeah, I think they are, well, too. The guarantee well, comes like that. I think you've got to eat it. Well, I'm not saying if if it's an injury. I understand that, okay? But right. I'm, to the, I'm saying if, it, there's, uh, if, if he is found guilty and has to go to jail, Okay, yeah, or well, anything like that. Well, I hold wonder on, if gentlemen, we never did get to the Ravens. I wanted to talk about them a little bit with Doug as well. Doug, thank you very, very much. We're just out of time. Frank says our executive yep. director at Sick Dick Talk Time. Roger wants to get <laughs> a pleasure. A or week, thanks Doug. to Roy Take Cummings care. as always. See you guys next week. God bless. Have a great week, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this program is brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation.
the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women of the Police and Fire Services. When you're out there and you see someone in uniform, please let them know that you know that they're it's very important times that they let you that you let them know um, that you're behind. These programs are also dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Charlie David Curtis, and Charlie Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Bager, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, Patrolman Jeffrey Gasowitz, Sergeant, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Sergeant uh, Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Harvard Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Galvin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Chuck Levake, Pittsburgh County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman and Officer Christian Lakeland PD, Lieutenant Joe Zerda, Newcastle County Police, Patrol Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department, Captain Matt Alterno, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Pikes, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Chief Al Hogle, Longwood Police Department, and Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10 7 at this point in time, sometime will be 10 10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, when the rose rise up to meet you, may the winds be always at your back. May the rain fall softly on your fields, and the sun shine lightly on your feet. Peace. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hands. Good night. God bless and have a great week. Oh, yeah.
Thank you.